It's time for your best legal defense with your host, Lonnie McDowell. This could be the most important hour of your entire week. Our program discusses the criminal defense and legal system and what it can mean to you. Lonnie and his guest experts will discuss cases that are groundbreaking and important to today's law and court system, from arrest to bail. We know you have questions about the law, and we're here to answer those too. Now, here's trial attorney and host, Lonnie McDowell. Good morning. Welcome to the show. This is your best legal defense. I'm Lonnie McDowell. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking about uh, gangs, uh, specifically gang injunctions and uh, gang enhancements uh, that are used by the uh, district attorney. Um, They've become controversial over the uh, last uh, few years uh, in that they, uh, at least defense attorney-wise, have become uh, abused and misused. Uh, so this week, uh, I have my guest. He is a gang expert. Uh, it's Martin Flores. He has uh, 20 years or over 20 years of experience working with gangs throughout Southern California. He grew up here in Los Angeles in the uh, Boyle Heights area, which is East Los Angeles. He's worked with uh, a lot of young people, uh, trying to get them on a different path. He's uh, organized conferences and uh, in juvenile facilities, and he's worked with uh, gang intervention workers. He's also an expert uh, in gangs uh, who is called on to testify in a, a lot of cases. Uh, he's done over uh, 200 Crip blood cases and over 300 Hispanic gang cases, including the Mexican Mafia. Uh, so, Martin, uh, welcome. Are you there? I am here, Lonnie. Oh. Thank you for the introduction. Okay, great. So, Tell us a little bit how you got got into uh, working with gangs and uh, a little bit more about your experience. Sure. Well, first of all, I was born and raised in the community of Ball Heights in East Los Angeles. Um, and just was doing my thing growing up over there. New friends are caught up in the neighborhood and friends who are not. Um, I think a couple of critical factors um, shifted my focus. Unfortunately, in 1994, my little brother was killed in a drive-by shooting. And so due to that tragic event, um, I was at the time a a pre-med student at UC Berkeley. And due to that event, I shifted my focus to work with young people and try to address the issue of violence and also assess the issues in the community. In my community, for example... 88% of the kids at the elementary school were below average in math. To me, that was an indicator of the dynamics that we have in our community. So we developed programs, work with young people, and over the years, as I was doing advocacy for young people, getting them back to school as they got a probation, I ended up interacting with the judicial system, whether it's with, with the public defender's office, the DA's office, and so forth. And then eventually, I, um, uh, through the work that I did, I ended up uh, getting on the panel of experts with the Los Angeles Superior Court. Okay. And so now you do a testimony uh, as an expert for uh, the defense. Do you also uh, get called on by the prosecution? Well, the prosecution has access to my information to call me. They have not called me. Um, um, I am on a published list of experts, uh, but I have not been contacted by the prosecution. I am non-law enforcement. The prosecution, in my experience, contacts active law enforcement individuals to serve as their expert. Okay. And so 
uh, you're saying that there's a difference between non-law enforcement and law enforcement. Um, what is the criteria for becoming a gang expert? Well, um, there's about 10 or 12 individuals who are non-law enforcement that's on the panel of the Superior Court. And we range. We range from individuals who are professors to individuals who are um, heavily involved in the community. Um, and I would think the criteria, the minimum criteria, would be the, the knowledge and experience of working with gangs, the diversity of gangs, the gang issues, also understanding the, the laws that impact gangs, in particular, Penal Code 186.22. Which is the uh, gang enhancement which the uh, DA has uh, wielded uh, in the uh, last several years. I mean, it was <clears throat> instituted back in, I think, the, the mid-1980s um, as a uh, tool uh, because of the perceived uh, rise in uh, gang violence at that time. And it, as you know, it, it basically it adds an enhancement to your sentence. So um, if it's an assault with a deadly weapon or a robbery or whatever the, the underlying offense is, uh, 186.22 uh, enhances the sentence. If you've done the crime allegedly for the benefit or at the direction of an active gang. Um, and it, it's quite draconian in, in its measures, or at least from the defense side, um, in that the underlying crime can, can have a uh, indeterminate sentence of either two, three, or six years, let's say. Um, but the gang enhancement can actually add 10 years to that, which runs uh, concurrent, meaning not at the same time. So you'll serve your, let's say, two years, then plus your 10. Um, so that's one of, one of the issues that I wanted to discuss with you today is, is this rise in using 186.22 and how the, the prosecutors are trying to uh, establish uh, one, gang membership, and two, uh, that the crime was done for the benefit or at the direction of a gang. Um, so let's go start going into gang membership. Um, from my experience, we uh, start off with the law enforcement coming in with FI cards, uh, which are the field identification cards, correct? That's correct. Right. Now, there's no criteria for those. It, correct? Can you speak well, on those? Supposed, there's supposed to be a criteria, but you're right. There is uh, no set standard. It's really the discretion of the officer when they come across an individual. And these FI cards, unfortunately, are heavily used in communities um, that are impoverished communities, that are, uh, you know, communities where you find um, young people who are disconnected. And it's a tool that's used by law enforcement um, to capture information based on their interaction. And the unfortunate thing that I see is that too many individuals um, that live in these communities are tasked with this wide net as if they are either a gang member or a gang associate. And it doesn't take much to be labeled as that. An example that comes to mind is you can be the, the girlfriend of a gang member or an assumed gang member. And I've seen FI cards where the girlfriend is automatically 
um, document as a gang associate. And that doesn't mean that the girlfriend was with the gang, with her boyfriend in the gang capacity. She may have just been with the boyfriend driving to the local clinic with her child in the back seat. But that, that type of classification happens, as an example. Um, I've seen relatives, a cousin who's walking with his relative that is a documented gang member, and now the non-gang member gets classified as a gang associate. So there's these different levels of, or different experiences where young people are getting classified as gang members, gang associates, in a way that I would believe is just um, a violation of the constitutional right. Right. And the, the thing with the FI cards is, is they've taken on um, a different purpose these days, or at least, at least from what I've seen. I mean, field identification cards were originally for officers to document things that are going on in the neighborhood. And that doesn't necessarily mean gang uh, membership or association. They were originally uh, transients, um, new people in the, the neighborhood. It was just a tool for basically supervisors to see what was happening out in their neighborhood, uh, what the officers were doing during their shifts is they would come in and how many FI cards did you do today? Well, we did like 10. Um, okay, so you, you contacted these people and they were filed away. But more and more I'm seeing that it's, as you said, anyone that knows a gang member uh, is automatically, uh, or not automatically, but uh, there's a, a good likelihood that they will have an FI card, which has at least them being an associate of a gang member, if not an actual gang member. That's correct. Right. Which in itself is, is I, I think you're right, is a violation of constitutional rights, but it also leads to um, penalties uh, or possible uh, issues and penalties down the road if that person is involved in some type of uh, or is accused of uh, some type of violation of the penal code. Uh, because those FI cards are the first basis in court of establishing that someone is an associate or is a gang member. That's what your experience has been? It's the last part, Lonnie. I apologize. It's the very last part. Oh, okay. Well, having a little technical difficulty. Uh, yeah, well, I was I'm just back. saying that the, the FI cards are, are the first thing the prosecutor brings up uh, when they're prosecuting someone uh, under 186.22 um, to show that someone is actually uh, associated with a gang. That's correct. Right. Um, it's very common that these FI cards that are allegedly consensual stops, at least that's how it's presented in court, um, end up coming into court as a tool to identify or to continue the allegation that the individual is, in fact, a gang member, a gang associate, based on that one stop or multiple stops that they have documented. That FI card comes in as some sort of evidence that the individual is gang involved. And right. so what is initially a consensual, supposed consensual stop, where they're just capturing information, becomes a tool in court. Right. And, and you know, it becomes a very powerful tool because 
you know, juries uh, have over the years been conditioned that, oh, gang members, you know, they have to be, you know, doing something wrong. So anytime there's an allegation that someone's in the gang, juries tend to accept that pretty easily from my experience. Um, and it takes uh, some doing to, to get uh, the jury to realize that all these cards are is someone, an officer stopped someone and decided to check the gang box because of either tattoos or, you know, they have a shaved head or the neighborhood. And it doesn't have to be those obvious signs. To me, the most disturbing ones are when you have an individual who doesn't even have those tattoos, doesn't have a shaved head, is not um, acting in gang capacity, is not committing a crime. They simply got stopped. They got identified either because they were suspected, whether they're walking by themselves, riding a bike, or in a vehicle with or without gang members. And the challenge is that that information may not even be captured correctly. Right. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, the, the individual that got stopped may have provided the wrong information. Or two, the officer may have wrote down information that the officer perceived um, to be the situation at the time. So, right. for example, they may have identified a young person walking by a gang called 18th Street, and the gang officer believes that that person is a gang member, gang associate, and even though the person denies it, the gang officer may write down gang member or gang associate right. of 18th Street because right. he, will, he or she was stopped at, in that particular area. Right. And, and I've had that experience. Uh, and I want to talk to you a little bit more uh, about that. And uh, when we come back, we're going to take a short uh, commercial break and we'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you been arrested? Is someone you love in a legal jam? Don't get advice from just anyone. Call the criminal defense experts at McDowell & Associates. Attorneys. McDowell & Associates has over 20 years of legal experience. The National Trial Lawyers Association named us one of the top 100 California criminal defense trial attorneys for two years in a row. We know that sometimes good people just make bad mistakes. We know the system and we know how to fight for you. We know what the prosecutors will do, we know their weaknesses, and we'll do everything at our disposal to get you the best possible outcome. Your case will receive the personalized attention it deserves. McDowell & Associates, attorneys, has the experience and the skill to make sure you or the ones you love receive the best legal defense and strategy. Call 213-401-2322 or visit mcdowelldefense.com. That's 213-401-2322 or mcdowelldefense.com. Se habla espanol. When your future is on the line, your future is our business. Call us at 213-401-2322. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is your best legal defense with Lonnie McDowell. If you have a question for the host or guest, we're ready to take your call at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Be sure to tell the screener if you need to remain anonymous with your question. You may also send an email to radio show at McDowellDefense.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. And today's guest is Martin Flores, a gang expert. And just before the break, we were talking about uh, FI cards and uh, their uses and abuses um, and how subjective they are. And Martin, I think uh, just before we um, took the break, you mentioned that uh, people can get an FI card even though they're not associated with a gang or even when the stop occurs, that they are even with a suspected gang member, correct? That is correct. Right. And, and I've noticed that, and I've had a couple of, you know, I, I deal a lot with uh, um, defending uh, gang members, um, that a couple of times I've had these FI cards come into play, um, and they are used by law enforcement to say, well, this is how we know this person's a gang member, so obviously the offense was committed for the benefit of the gang. And on questioning, it turns out that the person was stopped uh, for a, you know, a consensual, you know, quote-unquote, uh, stop by the police. And they were asked questions such as, where do you live? You know, where are you going? Uh, what do you know about the neighborhood? Well, what gang is in this neighborhood? And then obviously, if you live in the neighborhood, you kind of know what gang is, is you know, involved in activity around that neighborhood. And all of a sudden, their gang, their FI card, lists them as a member of that gang, just because they know what gang is in the neighborhood. Have you seen a, a lot of that uh, in your experience? I've come across um, a lot of situations where FI cards... Um, accuracy um, is questioned um, and and the basis of those stops are questionable and then the articulation of what's captured in there right and right so uh, definitely come across that and um, it could be different scenarios uh, you know you can have an individual who's riding a bike and and uh, in, in a non gang capacity just riding a bike an officer pulls them over, stops them, and questions them. And um, the individual may have no knowledge what's happening. They may not realize that an FI card is written because they do not sign off on it, right? right. So an officer fills out this card. Um, the individual is questioned, is told that he's free to go, and life goes on. And then they come across a court case where they're being charged with something, and this FI card pops up. Right. And so what I find is that most of these FI cards that are written actually do not involve a crime. The majority of them, there's no findings of guns. There's no findings of drugs. Uh, they're not committing a crime. It's just a stop. But here in court, it's used to show proof that they're involving gang activity or to present um, 
uh, information that gives the impression that they're involved in gang activity. And so it really makes it difficult for the client or for the individual to defend himself or herself in that situation because they are smutted in this negative light. Right. And you mentioned they don't uh, sign off on the, these cards. Uh, they're not even shown this card. And a lot of times I've seen people who really don't have any association with the gang, except maybe they're, as you mentioned before, their cousin is, is a, you know, a suspected gang member or someone in the family or their neighbor, uh, their boyfriend. And the card comes back as admitted gang member. Well, right. there's no, there's no, it's very subjective, it, uh, these cards to begin with, that the officer has decided that this is a gang member, but they seem to check that box, admitted. A lot of times for people are like, I have never been in a gang. You know, my cousin's in a gang or, or you know, my ex-boyfriend, whatever it is, but all of a sudden they've become an admitted gang member. And that's card, which is so subjective with no... There's, there's no trial. There's no uh, evidentiary standard to get onto that card. It's just the officers decided to do it. And that becomes a very powerful tool in court, uh, which can be very the, tough to overcome. Right. It is. And, and one of the reasons why is because a self-admission is, is one of the criteria, one of at least two criteria that's needed to uh, verify that an individual is a gang member. Right. And right. so you're absolutely right, Lonnie, that and it, what happens with these FI cards when it gets checked off and self-admitted, there is no opportunity for the individual got stopped to verify what is written, what is checked off and to approve or not approve that. Right. And so don't get me wrong. There are individuals who do admit to law enforcement, they're gang members and they got it right. The challenge is when when you have that that individual who has no gang tattoos, no gang involvement, um, has denied it in every other form of evidence through interviews. You hear that the individual denies it, um, the lack of documentation. And then this FI card comes in as the sole tool to bring in evidence that it's a self-admission. And so that is such a powerful tool used by the DA on a criminal case, um, which needs to be further explained to a jury so they understand how that information is captured and that it's actually the discretion of the officer. There is no true criteria that holds the officer accountable to checking off that box or not checking off that box. Right. And there's really no way, uh, except once a, uh, a criminal case is filed, for an individual to even challenge the information on that card. Even when a criminal, yeah, the only way they can challenge is in court, right? Right. Um, there's no way you're right that they can challenge it for long-term purposes and say, hey, this card is not valid. It's just the only way it could be challenged is in court, and that's just for the purposes of explaining to a jury that hopefully they understand that this card is not valid, but that card will stay there. Right. That card uh, will yeah, be uh, on the uh, record. And the other thing is these, these interactions are not recorded. So, you know, right. officers don't have these cameras yet or audio recordings to capture interaction where it says, you know what, this person did say it. Here's proof. 
right? And so that's that's uh, uh, individuals are being sentenced, like you mentioned. They, they had an enhancement in terms of years, you know, three, four, five, ten years at a life, depending on what the charge is. And and it's a simple check mark that says self admit that can be a critical factor in a jury deciding if the individual in fact is a gang member or not. Right. And, you know, you bring up a good point. Um, Officers now mostly are equipped with a recording uh, mechanism, you know, we call them belt clips, um, so they can record their conversations. Most of these, I've noticed, have never been recorded. Or if they have been recorded, the cards come up years later, so those recordings no longer exist. But I'm wondering how the use of these body cameras, which are now going in, will affect uh, how officers uh, classify these FI cards. I'm, I'm looking forward to that change, you know, and I think it works, it, works for bo- it works both ways. I'm sure there could be examples where an individual may deny that they made the statement, and in fact they did. Right. So having that, that captured actually works in favor of law enforcement because they'll, it'll show the true interaction between the individual that got stopped and law enforcement. But my concern is that um, there are so many interactions that exist in which the information is just inconsistent when you look at the individual, the type of work that may have been involved with, and the lack of gang activity, but yet a card has that checkoff mark that says um, self-admitted. Right. And, that, and that's it, you know, in defending uh, people, it's one of the toughest things to overcome. And uh, is that juries just look at this as, well, it, they self-admitted. Obviously, they are. And, you know, that's not necessarily the case. The other uh, thing with these FI cards is, is they stay forever, even though I know LAPD, I've had officers on the stand say, oh, every, you know, I think it's three or five years they purge the system, yet I'll have a FI card come up from 10 years ago. So they obviously don't purge, purge their system. And sometimes, you know, there are gang members out there. Uh, They've run into the police. They get an FI card, which is perfectly valid. Um, but over the years, they've, they've matured out. Um, they're no longer hanging with the gang. Yet these cards still exist. Correct. And there's no way to get, there's no way to really get off of the list or to become a quote-unquote former gang member uh, on these FI cards. At least not from the law enforcement perspective in terms of those officers testifying in court. I've seen where those cards, although they're old, you're talking about 10, 15 years since the alleged crime where an individual's FI card is brought in to show gang membership. This FI card may be well over five years old with no documentation of any interaction with law enforcement with the exception of the current alleged crime or alleged charges. And that card is, again, used as a tool to identify or for the gang cops to testify and say, the basis of my opinion is that this person was documented as a gang member however long ago, and therefore he's a gang member, right? And so, again, you're absolutely right, Lonnie. These cards do not have an end date, Um, um, you know, uh, 
there may be years before we ever see these cards not exist, but right now these are cards that, that you can go back 10, 15 years and it will have the same effect as if they got stopped recently. Right. And I mean, that's, you know, the, from the defense perspective is we have to point out that, okay, that card is 15 years old and there's been no FI card since then. There's, or there's other FI cards since that one, but there's been no arrest made in 15 years. Uh, there's been no documentation of them being with a gang uh, during those 15 years. And, and, you know, but it's still an up uphill battle in convincing a jury that this person who the police are saying is a gang member really hasn't participated in the gang one either ever or, you know, is no longer associating with the gang and, you know, going forward. So it's always, it's always difficult uh, when uh, trying to combat these cards. Uh, right. And, and you know, you bring a good point, Lonnie. I'm sorry, you bring a very good point. I think this is critical for any defense attorney out there to recognize that, that uh, an FI card should not serve as a basis of, of true evidence. An FI card may just paint a picture, but there are critical facts that you look at the FI card. Was, where was the individual stopped? Who was the individual with? What were right. they wearing? What did they find with the individual? How long ago was the stop done? And under what conditions, right? And so um, it's, it's being able to analyze that FI card as well and put it into perspective, right? Because right. an FI card can show you a trend. For example, I've seen with older individuals who are gang involved, they may have had a, a number of FI cards when they were young and active in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, and those stops were made in the area with active gang members. And then five years later, you may have, you know, again, a number of multi- multiple FI cards, but they're stopped by themselves out of a gang area in non-gang attire without any, any uh, illegal activity taking place. And so that can show a trend, a change of trend of the individual. So FI cards right. can be used as a tool to analyze an individual who may have been gang involved and no longer is gang involved, right? So you can put in perspective uh, where the individual now stands in comparison to the past. Right. Okay. You know, uh, let's talk a little bit more about that. When we come back uh, from a commercial, uh, we're going to go out now and I'll talk to you a little bit. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Tune in each week for Monica Phillips and powerful conversations. This is a thought-provoking show for business people, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We'll feature today's thought leaders and industry trendsetters from across several locations and industries. Give yourself permission to be inspired and live a fulfilling life. Be sure to listen to Powerful Conversations, live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you been arrested? Is someone you love in a legal jam? Don't get advice from just anyone. Call the criminal defense experts at McDowell & Associates. Attorneys. McDowell & Associates has over 20 years of legal experience. The National Trial Lawyers Association named us one of the top 100 California criminal defense trial attorneys for two years in a row. 
We know that sometimes good people just make bad mistakes. We know the system, and we know how to fight for you. We know what the prosecutors will do. We know their weaknesses, and we'll do everything at our disposal to get you the best possible outcome. Your case will receive the personalized attention it deserves. McDowell and Associates, attorneys, has the experience and the skill to make sure you or the ones you love receive the best legal defense and strategy. Call 213-401-2322 or visit mcdowelldefense.com. That's 213-401-2322 or mcdowelldefense.com. Se habla espanol. When your future is on the line, your future is our business. Call us at 213-401-2322. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. This is your best legal defense with Lonnie McDowell. If you have a question for the host or guest, we're ready to take your call at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Be sure to tell the screener if you need to remain anonymous with your question. You may also send an email to radioshow at mcdowelldefense.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm speaking with the gang expert, uh, Martin Flores. And before the uh, break, we were talking about FI cards. And Martin, uh, you know, there's so many other other aspects I want to get into uh, today. But I just wanted to touch on one quick thing uh, that you said before the break. um, And that's that these FI cards, you need to look at where they were stopped. um, And the circumstances, you know, behind them, uh, the card. And one thing I've noticed, and, and I don't know if you have, uh, maybe you can weigh in on, is I've had, I don't know, numerous FI cards when I go through them, and the stops are occurring as the person is leaving Men's Central Jail or Twin Towers. Uh, they're actually stopping them on the way out to rack up another FI card. And have, you, have you noticed that? I haven't came across too much of that, um, but I definitely come across where where the where the stops are taking place is nowhere near the alleged gang area. Um, does not involve gang activity. Does not involve illegal activity. It could be that the individuals are recognized individual from law enforcement, and it's just a continuous documentation, or it could be individual is suspected based on just how they look, where they're right. at, you know, and and again. Um, you have another document to support their theory that the individual is an active gang member. All right. Okay. We've got some uh, email questions that uh, let's take a couple of those. Um, and then I want to get back into uh, the 186.22. I mean, the first aspect is identifying them as a gang member. And then the second is for the benefit of the gang. So we want to get into that. But uh, let's take a couple of, of these questions. Uh, one you, you kind of touched on before. Uh, but the question is, uh, an expert gang witness, what makes him an expert? And they want to know, is it based off the hours of training, years of education? Uh, and what happens if the expert gives an opinion that he does not have expertise in? So is there actually, either for non-law enforcement or law enforcement, is there some type of course or training in identifying and uh, interacting with gangs? 
Right. There is no specific course of training across the board, and that goes for law enforcement and non-law enforcement. In the case for law enforcement, I've been in the experience where basically any cop, any cop who's, who's a law enforcement, who's a cop, basically can get qualified as a gang expert based on where, um, based on being law enforcement officers. Just like that, right? And I think the idea of gang expert is beyond just the patrols of the street. Um, so there's, I would say that there's a diversity of individuals who are gang experts, from law enforcement to non-law enforcement. Some have different strengths. Some strengths may be academia. Some strengths may be community work. Some strengths may be patrolling the street. So. I would say that there really is no one fine process, but um, expertise is brought in through the diversity. And I, 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 so, you know, there's no doubt I come across some great gang experts at law enforcement that know, understand the, the gang culture, understand the dynamics, the law, and so forth. And then I come across some that just have the title of being a law enforcement officer, and they're allowed to testify as a gang expert. Right. Um, and so, um, in terms of when, when gang experts, whether it's law enforcement, non-law enforcement, provides an opinion, um, well, I, that, that paperwork follows the individual. If an individual provides information that is inconsistent, then that information can follow them on their next testimony by either the defense counsel or by the prosecutor. Um, so, the best way I can answer that is that um, that individual... Um, if they're purposely giving information that's inconsistent, then it will likely follow up with them down the road. Um, right. and, and that's, uh, you know, as a defense attorney, that's one thing we like to, to try to get uh, po- uh, either preliminary or trial transcripts of when an officer has testified uh, in the past in a, a gang expert capacity to see if they have inconsistent uh, opinions. Uh, which Correct. Which a lot of times they do, um, whether it's by design or whether it's just, you know, people speak differently at different times in different ways on a subject. But they'll, they'll talk about a gang, one gang's activities one way, testifying in one trial, but yet testify a little bit differently about the known activities of that gang in another trial uh, or preliminary hearing. And it, Going back to the training and experience, I mean, I've had officers up on up on the stand, um, and you know, they'll all go, "Well, I've you know, I you know, took a course, uh, you know, uh, at the academy. Well, it's like a two-hour course, um, and it's a forty-hour. Uh, you know, it's a forty-hour training in the academy. But you're right, two hours on gangs. Gone gangs, um, right? Yeah, yeah, right. That's, or and it may not be specific to the gang that they're speaking about, or it may. It's you a know, general you overview. You don't know exactly what entails, correct? Right. It's a general overview of, of gang and gang culture, but it doesn't get into the specifics because each gang um, has its own, you know, culture. Uh, it has its own symbols and signs and, and, and language and things. And, you know, they're not getting that in two hours, uh, especially, right. you know, L.A. has hundreds of gangs. Um, Absolutely. You know, so, you know, for someone to qualify as an expert in all of them is, is, is kind of outside the scope, although they do try. But 
One of the things that, uh, that I've also noticed going back to the FI cards is, well, I've written 100 FI cards. <laughs> it's like, well, really, does that make you an expert just because you've written a card? Um, but unfortunately, judges a lot of times won't, will still qualify them as an expert when challenged because, well, they're law enforcement and they've worked with gangs. The other thing that, that, I, that I find uh, when questioning officers is, well, and I took the, uh, I spent a, a weekend in Las Vegas at, at, you know, this course given by whoever uh, on gang, 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 gang cultures. Gang association, right. Right. And, you know, I've been to, you know, defense attorney conventions in Las Vegas. And while some of them are really good, some of them aren't. And the, you know, I will notice the first day the room is full. And by the second day, you know, the room's half full. So right. one of the things I always ask is, is the officer, did you like attend the entire, you know, convention or uh, were you uh, hitting the tables? Um, <laughs> So, of course, they always, oh, no, I attended every hour. But, um, you know, we know how those conventions work. There's a reason they're held in Vegas. Um, right. <laughs> there's another question, you know, um, I don't, you know, some of the questions uh, that are emailed in, um, you, some of them you can tell aren't really serious. Um, so we skip those. Uh, this one I'm not sure about, but I kind of like the question, so I'm going to ask it anyway. It says, I want to join the Hell's Angels. So I have a question. Is the Hell's Angels considered a criminal organization? Now, have you dealt with the, the Hell's Angels? Uh? I, I've had a couple of cases that involved the Hell's Angels. Most of my cases involved um, criminal street gangs. Um, so the Hell's Angels are identified differently than your um, criminal street gangs. The Hell's Angels are supposed to be motorcycle clubs uh, when it comes to um, the illegal activity that is portrayed about uh, motorcycle clubs, such as Hells Angels, Romangos, they're identified as outlaw motorcycle gangs, OMG, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I think for this individual, I mean, he, there's, it's not illegal to be a gang member. That's not illegal. He has a constitutional right to join a group or a gang or whatever he perceives. And so, mm -hmm. uh, I think just naturally, I think it depends what the individual is willing to get exposed to. I mean, right. there's definitely an effort to crack down on uh, on gangs, whether street gangs or all our motorcycle gangs or what is portrayed in that light. And um, and I think the individual can either weigh out what he considers are those benefits or risks. Right, right? exactly. Um, and just because the individual joins the Hells Angels, should not automatically mean the individual's committing illegal activity. He may join the Hells Angels for the purposes of a motorcycle club right. and will possibly not get caught up in illegal activity, or the individual may get caught up. So that's, that's the risk of an individual, how they choose to put themselves out there. Right. Well, and I think, you know, we're getting, we're getting close to the commercial break, but um, just real quick on, on this subject, I think, and I don't know if it, this is really what the question was asking, but I'm going to ask it is, let's say this individual joins the Hell's Angels, would 186.22 apply if uh, he were to get involved in illegal activity? I haven't dealt with Hell's Angels cases or other motorcycle clubs that have that allegation applied, um, mm -hmm. so I couldn't speak on that. 
right? Um, and I think it comes down to the creativity. If it hasn't been applied, it may apply down the road, right? Because, for example, right. the 186.22 was mostly focused on street gangs, and now you find a trend where it's talking about prison gangs that right. 186.22 is being applicable to. So if it hasn't been applied fully, it's very likely that it may become the trend down the road. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, uh, I want to talk about uh, what constitutes uh, for the benefit of or at the direction of a gang uh, in terms of 186.22. And we'll talk about that when we get back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Have you been arrested? Is someone you love in a legal jam? Don't get advice from just anyone. Call the criminal defense experts at McDowell & Associates. Attorneys. McDowell & Associates has over 20 years of legal experience. The National Trial Lawyers Association named us one of the top 100 California criminal defense trial attorneys for two years in a row. We know that sometimes good people just make bad mistakes. We know the system, and we know how to fight for you. We know what the prosecutors will do. We know their weaknesses, and we'll do everything at our disposal to get you the best possible outcome. Your case will receive the personalized attention it deserves. McDowell and Associates, attorneys, has the experience and the skill to make sure you or the ones you love receive the best legal defense and strategy. Call 213-401-2322 or visit McDowellDefense.com. That's 213-401-2322 or McDowellDefense.com. Se habla espanol. When your future is on the line, your future is our business. Call us at 213-401-2322. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is your best legal defense with Lonnie McDowell. If you have a question for the host or guest, we're ready to take your call at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Be sure to tell the screener if you need to remain anonymous with your question. You may also send an email to radio show at mcdowelldefense.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. I'm here this week with Martin Flores, gang expert, and we've been talking about gangs and uh, the gang enhancement uh, used by uh, the prosecution uh, when trying to make a case. Um, So we talked about the first part of uh, 186.22, which is for the enhancement, the person is, uh, they identify as a gang member or, or are a gang member. 
However, there's a second prong to it is the crime has to be committed for the benefit of or at the direction of. And just a, a side note, even a non-gang member can be charged with 186.22 if they've done something at the direction of a gang. Um, have you run into any cases where that's, that's been the uh, issue, Martin? Oh, sure. Yeah. Right. So a girlfriend who, who may not be... Um, actually a member of the gang, um, does something that benefits the gang, even though she's not a member, she can be, be uh, the 186.22 enhancement could apply. Is that right? Uh, Martin, did we lose you? Okay. Okay. Well, um, no, I'm well, here. I'm here. Can you oh, hear there me? There you go. Okay. Yeah, now we can. Okay. okay. So the, the second part is for the, the benefit of the gang. And I always find that the most interesting uh, part of a DA's um, argument is how they classify things to be for the benefit of a gang. Um, you know, while it's, you know, probably an over-dramatization, is one of the things I generally tell juries is, you know, the, according to the DA, breathing is for the benefit of the gang. So thus the gang enhancement applies because by staying alive, they're benefiting the gang. Uh, while it's not quite that extreme, uh, a lot of times the DA really does a stretch on what is for the benefit of a gang. Someone goes out and buys drugs and they're using them. Well, this is for the benefit of the gang. And it's like, how does this benefit the gang? They've done it, you know, by themselves. It gets a little more complicated when it's, when the two or three gang members get together and use drugs, because now it is, you know, according to the DA, for the benefit of the gang. Um, So tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, how the, going about the benefit of the gang. your experience with that. Sure. And again, there's examples where I feel that the, that the, that the accusation is appropriate and so forth. And, and, it, and it fits the needs. And in those situations, I won't testify. The examples I'm going to elaborate on are going to be the examples that I feel are, are abusive of right. that prong of the, of the pinnacle 186.22. Um, some examples are like the ones you mentioned, you have individuals who were documented as gang members tattoos on their body, prior activity, right? As they move in the journey of life, they get, they become drug addicts, an example. You have a drug addict who um, has possession of a drug and it's for their self-medication, for their drug abuse situation. And yet that possession of the drug said that, or for they, they elevated to be for sales and the possession or the for sales would right. be for the benefit of the gang. And when it's when the individual has a track record of being a drug addict, you know, and so <clears throat> and the amount that's found, it's reasonable that a drug addict would have such an amount. And so there are examples like that where I say I'm of the opinion in, in those situations um, where it fits to say this is it has nothing to do with the gang. This is about an individual who's sustaining their habit, and they are going to do what they can for themselves right. to meet that need. Irrelevant of their past gang ties, irrelevant to what kind of tattoos they have anywhere in their body, 
irrelevant if they're even active members. Right. If an individual has a drug habit and if, in fact, it's linked up to what they have in their possession to sustain that, in my opinion, most cases, that's going to be for a personal benefit. Right. And that's one thing that in, in some of my cases, it becomes a big issue because there's a certain weight that, depending on the drug, as to what sure. is for considered personal use and what is considered, um, you know, uh, for possession of sale. And, you know, a lot of times if someone's been a drug addict for, uh, you know, for many years, their personal use is well above what, you know, the casual user uh, we're Correct. using so their their personal use tends to be above the threshold for the uh, possession for sale, and once it gets to possession for sale, it's you know it's there for um, the DA to argue that this was definitely for the benefit of the gang, um, and you know a lot of times they need a drug expert to come in and say someone you know he was using a certain amount uh, per day. Uh, based on you know his past uh, you know usage, to to argue that the amount that the person had actually was for the ben- uh, you know for personal use more so than for the benefit right. of the gang. Correct. Yeah, but you know I, I've I've noticed uh, <clears throat> you know like I said uh, DAs try to um, make almost anything. To make this allegation stick, they will try to elevate anything for the benefit of, or at the direction of. You know, the, the person went to the, the to the liquor store to to uh, you know steal a bottle of vodka or or, or Jack or mm-hmm. whatever, and well, you know, his buddy who was a gang member told him to do it, so it was at the direction of a gang, and it's like <clears throat> this is this is not what this law was intended to do. This is this was intended to. Uh, Give harsher sentences to really known gang members who are active, who are doing things, you know, such as some of the gangs who, who are who are their basic uh, purpose is to sell drugs. Um, they're a drug enterprise. It was to combat that. It wasn't to, you know, put this big net out there uh, to catch everybody. But right. you know, uh, you know, unfortunately, this is such a great topic and it, it's such a vast topic. Uh, but uh, we're running out of time. Uh, it's at the end of the show. So I wanted to thank you for coming on. And, you know, I do want, want you to come back. There's, there's so much more that we can talk about on this subject. Uh, I hope you will uh, come back uh, at a later show. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, that uh, kind of wraps up our show for today. Next week, we're going to be uh, continuing on our discussion of the missing reality of uh, forensics and the CIA. CSI effect in the courtroom. Uh, And until next week, this is your best legal defense. Uh, The best way to protect your rights is to know your rights. Thank you for tuning in this week to your best legal defense. Lonnie McDowell invites you to join him along with another guest expert next Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, enjoy the rest of your weekend and stay safe.